Psalm chapter 3. And uh, how many of you ever had an occasion in your life to cry? <laughs> I grew up in a I grew up in a, a Pentecostal church, Assembly of God church, and I remember the altar services. Uh, it, you know, no matter what the pastor preached, no matter what was going on, we finished every service by going forward and kneeling at the altars. We had these uh, uh, old-fashioned uh, church altars. We had one over on the left. That's where the men knelt. And we had one over on the right. That's where the women knelt. And I can take you to that altar today, and I could show you the very spot I was born again because uh, I prayed at the same spot every time. And I can show you that spot was where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was on that same spot that I surrendered to the call of God to preach the gospel. And I, I, could probably, I could probably point out some tear stains on there because, you know, every time we went to the altar, we poured our soul out on the altar of God and with, with weeping. And it wasn't always uh, 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 tears of repentance, even though that it included tears of repentance, but many times it was, it was joy. We were weeping for joy at the altar of God, and we would present ourselves to the Lord. And those are some of the greatest moments in my life growing up, is when the family of God would just kneel together and, and, uh, and lay our emotions out and pour our heart out. And I can remember my Uncle George, whose birthday is today, I can remember him kneeling next to me and saying, Son, just pour your heart out to God. Just pour your heart out to God. And I'd pour my heart out, and I'd begin to cry and bawl and blubber and embarrass myself. But boy, it felt good when I got up. Sometimes you need a good cry. And sometimes you're in a situation where that cry becomes a, a capital C-R-Y, where you're crying out to the Lord for help. And I can remember on many occasions in my life where I was desperate and, and I, I was overwhelmed, overcome, and uh, overmatched by the enemy. And I would, I would find a place of prayer, and I would begin to cry out to the God. And, and uh, the psalmist David was uh, a man who knew how to cry. He knew how to cry out to the Lord. And uh, Psalm 3, verse 1, he is one of the times when he's surrounded by his enemies and uh, it looks bad, but he cries to the Lord. And I just want to, my first point really this morning is there is a time to cry. There is a time when we need to cry to God. And he says in, in Psalm 3, 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. In other words, even God has abandoned him. That people were saying that about David. They were saying to David, David, your God has forsaken you. Your God has abandoned you. You have no help. You will not get any help from God this time. Because remember, David, you know, God helped David kill the bear, helped David kill the lion, helped David kill Goliath, helped David ascend to the throne. But now here's a time in his life when everybody's saying, 
God's not going to help you anymore. But then he says, you, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I laid down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. See, when he cried unto the Lord, he had this confidence that God heard his cry. And it so settled him down and so uh, caused peace to come upon him that he was able to go to sleep. Even though ten thousands, that's not ten thousand, it's ten thousands. Tens of thousands of people surrounded him. He was still able to sleep like a baby. Why? Because he cried unto the Lord. You see, when we cry unto the Lord, we need to have the confidence of David. We need to have the faith that David had that God hears us. Hebrews 11, 6, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, when we're crying out to God, there's a, there's a certain measure of intensity to it. There's a certain measure of diligence to it. I mean, there are times when you pray, and then there are times when you really pray. Amen? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? There are times when we pray our, now I lay me down to, sleep prayers and Lord bless this food kind of prayers and Lord help me have a good day prayer or Lord keep me safe on the road today prayer but then there are times when you are desperate to get hold of God and you cry unto the Lord and that's not improper it's not something that angers God it's something that God responds to crying out to the Lord but then once you have made your cry once you have uh, uh, called on God and desperately presented your case to the Lord, what do you do next? You need to move forward. You need, you need to begin to act and take steps that would indicate God heard your prayers. Amen. Pick yourself up. Dry off those tears and walk away from that altar of desperate prayer with confidence knowing that God has heard your prayers. Look with me in Exodus chapter 14. In this chapter, we find the story of the Red Sea crossing. How many of you remember the story of the Red Sea crossing? It really happened, by the way. Archaeologists have discovered the very spot that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. They discovered that the Red Sea is deep in that area. But there was one little natural underwater land bridge so wide and that was not as deep as the rest of the Red Sea. And at that very spot, that's where God led them. And when God parted the waters and he sent the wind to dry it out, they crossed over on that underwater land bridge. It's still there. They've also found the relics of Egyptian chariots. The wheels, the wooden parts of the wheels have rotted away, and the only thing left is the gold and steel rims and, and uh, lug bolts. 
It's been documented by archaeology that it actually happened. And I believe it happened. I believed it when I heard the Bible say it. But isn't it wonderful that science and archaeology and history always come along and support the, the biblical account? See, true science doesn't argue with God. True science and true archaeology and history, uh, they, always, they always come along eventually and support what God's Word says. Yeah. So you don't, have to, you don't even have to be a, a, an educated person. If you just know the Word of God, you know as much as most scientists and archaeologists because they're all going to come to the truth that you already know. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I'm not saying we shouldn't be educated and we shouldn't learn and we shouldn't, you know, but, but uh, thank God uh, we are not lagging behind those that are. Amen? When it comes to the truth, when it comes to history, and when it comes to uh, uh, what actually happened, we have the biblical account. Amen. They've already di they've discovered Noah's Ark. They've discovered a lot of things that we knew were there. Because the Bible said. <laughs> Isn't it a relief to just be trusting and obeying? For there's no other way, right, to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Look with me in Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down because you all know the story, right? It start verse 1. Look at verse 1. Exodus 14, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. And, and here's what God said. God says, uh, tell the people where to go. Tell the people where to camp. He named the spot where they're supposed to camp by the sea. And then he says, what Pharaoh's going to do? Pharaoh's going to say, whoa, I've got them trapped now. And so uh, he says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh's going to chase after them, and I'll, be, I'll get my honor on Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts so the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And, and, uh, and exactly what God said was going to happen happened. And so they go and they camp down by the sea between two mountains, too tall to climb over. Only one way out, and that was the way they came in, and, and that's where the Egyptians came rushing to, to. And so it looked like they were trapped. Pharaoh thought he had them, but God had already told Moses what was going to happen. And it happened this, just the same way God told him it was going to happen. And then when all the Egyptians came into sight, and the people of Israel realized they were trapped there by the sea, they cried. They cried. They cried out to the Lord. Amen? And here's what God said in verse 15. The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? See, the people cried out. And then Moses goes to the Lord and he cries out. Now Moses was the one that God told what was going to happen. It was not a surprise to Moses. So why is Moses crying? I'll tell you why Moses is crying. He's caught up in the emotions of the camp. 
You know, I've, I've done funerals in my ministry where I, I, I go to, do, per, you know, to preach at a funeral of someone I don't know. So on the way there, I have no emotions. Absolutely no emotions about it. I'm going there, I'm going there to preach and, and, and minister to people, but I'm not in any way invested emotionally because I didn't know the guy. But then when I get there, I'm sitting on the platform, and they're singing, you know, songs about heaven and stuff like that. And I look over at the, uh, the widow and the family that's left behind, and they're grabbing handkerchiefs, and they're going, <laughs> and they're crying. And before you know it, the wave of emotion that is sweeping over the house hits me. And by the time I get up there, I'm, I'm choking back tears. I don't even know the guy. But emotions are catching. And Moses, being the leader of Israel, and hearing their cry out to God and their, their, their desperation... He gets affected by that, and so he goes to God, and he cries. Even though God told him what was going to happen. He's crying out to the Lord, and the Lord says, Why do you cry to me? He's talking to Moses. Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Well, forward required some help from God. Because forward was into the Red Sea. And they didn't know there was a, a natural bridge down under there. They found that out when they were walking across it. But they didn't know. It required an act of God to reveal the path that God had set up for them. There was a path. God made a path so they could walk on the path. He even dried it out so it wouldn't be muddy. But it required faith on their part. They had to, they had, yeah, they cried to the Lord, but there came a point where they had to start moving. And they had to move in the direction that God was directing them. Amen? There's no record, no indication, no, no, uh, even, there's not even a, hint that people started scampering up the sides of those mountains trying to go that way or that people you know grabbed their swords and tried to go back and fight their way through the Egyptians no they all went the way God led them there's a time to stop crying and just move forward when you've stated your case to God when you've unloaded yourself and poured your heart out to God and you know did your emotional thing then it's time for you to just stand up and go forward. Amen. Don't continue crying. Don't be a crybaby. It's not a sin to cry, but I think it's a sin to just cry and don't act in faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so if you're in this unique time of desperation, and trouble, the Lord will trouble your enemies and frustrate your foes, and He'll even remove the wagon wheels 
off of their chariots. Listen to what, listen to what happened here. He says in verse 16, Lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Can you imagine? be like walking through the world's most gigantic aquarium. Can you imagine the look on the fishies' faces? And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he did a very naughty thing. He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. I think King James says they drove them heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their char chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Now, I know in one of the movies, it shows that Pharaoh, you know, got on his horse and rode his horse real fast and got out before the waters covered the sea. But Pharaoh didn't escape that day. I don't care what Hollywood says. Pharaoh didn't escape, and there wasn't a stowaway on the ark. Amen? Don't believe, listen, don't believe anything Hollywood says about anything. So, their enemies were real, weren't they? The peril was real. The threat was real. But God orchestrated the whole thing. And from start to finish, God worked out his secret plan. And where your life is concerned, there's a plan. The Bible says so. He says that God has written it in the book. All the days of your life are written down in the pages of a book. While you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you. And you were wonderfully and fearfully made. And there's a plan for your life. And that plan sometimes may require God to use you as bait 
to draw the enemy in so he can rid you of the enemy once and for all. You know, the song that was sung on the other side, the horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. And, and, and Moses said to the people of Israel, you'll never see this enemy again. You'll never see this enemy again. Why? Because they were destroyed. And Egypt went from a first world premier power to a bankrupt, defenseless nation and became a third world country and still is. When God gets his vengeance on his enemies, it is, it, it's everlasting. Now they could recover if they would turn to God. But until then, they are, they are thrown into the sea. Amen? Spiritual enemies and spiritual battles are real. And they're so real that it could cause us emotional distress, even to provoke us to crying to the Lord. But sometimes that's necessary because some folks would never cry out to God if they weren't terrified. Say, so why would God allow us to get into this position? Well, he's working out his plan. He's destroying the enemy of your life. He may use you as bait to draw the enemy in. Amen? But also, he's bringing you to a place of total surrender to him where you will cry out to him instead of thinking you can save yourself. There was no salvation for Israel that day outside of divine help. I've been in situations in my life, the only way out was if God delivered me. Amen? Amen. Have you ever cried help to the Lord? We shouldn't stop to cry very long. We need to, there is a point when we've made our case that we need to trust God and move forward. Amen? Don't keep crying. There is, a, there is a time for it, but there also is a time for marching and shouting the walls down. And Israel learned that if they would just do what God said, that song we just sung, Trust and Obey, if we will trust God and do what he says, even though it looks bad, God can bring us through it to the other side where there is absolute and total victory. We've been talking in the last uh, month about the covenant and how that God has made covenants with us. And in doing so, God has made a commitment to be there for us, to be our God, to be our deliverance, to be our provider. If there's anything in our life that's lacking, God has covenanted with us to make up for it. As long as we give him our all, God will give us his all. Do you still believe that? There is a scripture that says God withholds no good thing from them that walk uprightly before him. There is nothing withheld from a true believer. Everything God has is yours. And we have this covenant that says so. Well, in times like we've been describing here this morning, we, need, we understand that we have a blood covenant 
with the Almighty God that is sealed in the blood of His own Son, Jesus, that guarantees that God will fight our battles. Guarantees that God will come and rescue us. Look at Psalm 34. And verse, start with verse 4. Psalm 34, 4. Again, this is David. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. I cried, he answered. I cried, he answered. That's David's theme all throughout his life. I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. God doesn't just hear and shake his head and sympathize, but he responds according to the covenant. See, the covenant says, if you are if you have an enemy, I'll fight your enemy. If you are in distress, I'll relieve your distress. If you're in need, I'll meet your need. If you're hungry, I'll feed you. That's covenant. Amen? Yes, when I was, I was married to Ruth, we made a covenant. And in that covenant, we said things like, you know, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor. What were we saying? We were saying, I'll be there for you no matter what. Amen? Amen? And it's a poor marriage and a poor commitment when we abandon each other if things get hard. They say that when a, uh, when a couple loses a child, that the majority of those marriages don't make it because they blame each other for losing that child. Or they're so overwhelmed with grief that they can no longer... Uh, uh, share love with each other. But those are vow breakers. That's the worst. See, if you lose a child, that, that's worse. That's not better. That's worse. How many would agree? But you, you, when you stood at the altar of God in the company of God's people and witnesses from heaven and earth, and you swore to each other that you would stand by each other for good or bad, you made a covenant. And God, God, doesn't, God doesn't allow us to break those covenants. Amen. Many, many, many spouses have had to bear the burden of uh, a spouse that was afflicted and dying and take care of that spouse and, and, uh, and, and you know, be faithful to them until the end. When others... Say, I can't handle it no more. I just can't take this no more. I can't bear seeing my spouse go, go like this. And they just leave them. Put them in a home somewhere and just leave them. Well, that's a vow breaker. That's a covenant breaker. That's not us. I don't know why I'm saying that. But I, I, just, I just want you to know, you know, Ruth, we're in this thing to the end. Good or bad? Pretty or ugly? Amen. Rich or poor. Praise God. I'll hold the umbrella while you stand on the street corner with a cardboard sign if necessary. <laughs> but we're not, we're in this thing, we're in this thing to the very end. 
That's our commitment. No divorce. Amen. Will God forgive it? Yeah, He will. But you get into a whole different category of problems there when you start asking God to forgive willful sin. <laughs> Amen. You should have been here the last few weeks hearing about judgment and God's rewards and all that. You know, I, I don't want to be on the short end of the stick when it comes to judgment. Amen. I want God to say, well done, not burn him. Amen. Praise God. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of some of his troubles, but left him in others. No, no, it saved him out of all his troubles. What does all mean? All. all. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You see, it's okay to cry, but you need to move forward in faith, trusting the Lord and believing that not God heard your cry and deliverance comes. Amen? Deliverance comes. How do I know? Because I have a covenant. I have a covenant of deliverance. He will deliver me from all my enemies. He will deliver me from all my troubles. And he will set my feet on a rock of stability and put me in a place of peace and safety. Even in the midst of storm. It's really good to know I have that kind of relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, I mean many, many years ago now, I was 17 years old. And uh, I was on my way to Oral Roberts University for a prospective student weekend. They'd bring high school students in on, on uh, Easter weekend and show us around, give us the tour, try to recruit us to come to the college. And I was thinking about where I was going to go to college when I graduated high school. And so uh, this was a free weekend. All I had to do was get there. And so I got in my 1961 Comet, Mercury Comet, and waved by at my mother. I remember her standing in the door waving at me. As I drove off at 6 o'clock that morning, headed for Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, about 9 o'clock, I'm in the middle of Oklahoma, and it's raining. And I go to pass a Volkswagen, and I'm going 60 miles an hour in a light, drizzly rain. And as I pull back in, I pass this Volkswagen, and I pull back in, I had a blowout on my right front tire. And the, the I mean, it was a, like a sudden blowout, and the car just shifted like that and, and spun a little bit and then began to roll. And 
I said, Lord, help. I cried. I cried unto the Lord. All I, I remember I was upside down in the floorboard, and then I was on the roof, and then I was back in the, in the floorboard, back on the roof, back in the floor. I didn't have seat belts. Back in those days, you didn't have seat belts. And I'm bouncing around in, on the interior of that car as it's flipping over, and it went across the, the median on Interstate 40, upside down. I could feel all of between me and the pavement was the roof of the car, and I could feel it scraping. And it went across and hit a pile of construction sand and stopped right before it would have gone off into a ravine. Car's upside down. I see a little bit of daylight where a door came open. I slithered out that hole. I stood up. I shook the glass off of my clothing. It was pour. It just began to pour down rain. I'm standing there in the rain. The car's upside down. The wheels are still spinning, and there's steam rising from the upside down radiator. And this guy walks up to me and says, "Who died?" I said, "Nobody died." Well, who who's hurt? I said, "Nobody's hurt." So who was driving that car? And I said, I was. That's impossible. Nobody could be, because it was flatter than a pancake. I said, nobody could survive that. The policeman came. He said, nobody could have survived that. How in the world can you just stand here calmly and unhurt, unscathed? There wasn't a scratch on me. I had glass in my underwear, glass in my socks, but not a scratch on me. How can this be? And all I could think was, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Now, that's a long time ago, people, but I'll never forget how the Lord answered my cry that day. When I finally got back home, my mother told me that when she stood in the doorway of the house watching me drive away, the Lord told her that I would be in a wreck. And she began to pray and intercede and say, Lord, I have a covenant that demands you take care of my boy. And he did. I said, why don't you pray for the car? She says, I don't care anything about that piece of junk. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I've told that story before, how my dad, when he came to pick me up, he was about 200 miles away. He got there in about an hour and a half. And he had a... All I did is I, I called him up and I said, Dad, I had a blowout on the car, wrecked the car, come get me. So he comes with a spare tire and a tow chain. And we go to the wrecking yard where they had hauled the car off and they opened this big metal doors and he sees the car. He drops the chain, he drops the spare tire and he weeps because he saw the miracle. And it was quiet on the way home. But when this poor soul cried unto the Lord, he heard me. When my mother cried unto the Lord, he heard her. And he delivered us from destruction. That's just one of many, many, many stories I could tell. You could tell some too. Matter of fact, 
we all hear as witnesses and testimonies to God's keeping, saving, and delivering power. Amen? Amen? You know what would be a good idea? You should get some paper out, something to write with, and you should write down all the times in your life when you cried unto the Lord and He heard you and answered your cry. Just write it out. Your family needs that. Your children need to know. Your grandchildren need to know. See, we're losing our, our next generations because they don't know the God that you know. They don't know what He's done unless you tell them. So write it out. Type it up. Make a video. You can make face video where you're looking them in the eye and you're telling them, this is what happened to me. I am a living witness and a testimony to God's covenant-keeping power. Amen. Amen? Amen? Would you do that for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? Say, I don't have any kids. Well, do it for your nieces and nephews. Do it for the poor slob that stumbles across it someday. Cleaning house or something. Tack it to the wall. Title it, My Story, My Testimony, How God Heard My Cry. And I was able to move forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to receive communion because that, that reminds us that we do have a deal. We do have a covenant. And, uh, and so as our uh, brother John comes with the communion elements, I want you right now, Close your eyes. Get the file drawer of your memory open. Dusty as it may be. And I want you to think of one time in your life where you cried unto the Lord and He came to your rescue. Just one. If you can't think of some, I've known some of you long enough. I, 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 I got, I've got some stories I could tell about you. Amen. Just while your eyes are open, John's passing out the communion elements. While we're waiting, I want you to I want you to remember a time in your life when you cried unto the Lord and he heard you and delivered you. And you may say, "Pastor, I I can't think of a single time." Well, there's No sin in that. You see, I, I'm convinced there are times in our lives where if we'd have known what was going to happen, we would have cried. And God delivered us and we never had a clue what was going on around us. I've had angels. I've had angels. I didn't see them, but I knew they were there. And I've had angels deliver me from sure destruction. I drove a car one time, 60 miles an hour for 45 miles, and it had no steering connected. The steering mechanism from a steering wheel that tied to the uh, tie rods had come loose, and the steering uh, mechanism was just gliding back and forth on top of the axles. How did I know? Well. I had a mechanic look at it because it's acting a little funny. 
And he said, Preacher, God is with you. I said, Why? He said, Come here and look. I looked, walked underneath that car. It was up on a hoist. Walked under there, and he says, Your steering's not even connected. How far did you drive like this? And I said, Well, I first noticed it kind of jerking 45 miles ago. I went home, told my wife, and she says, Well, I saw an angel on the hood of our car. And he was reaching down to where the wheel was, and he was holding on to our wheel. I said, you saw that? She said, yeah, I saw that. Well, why didn't you say something to me? She says, well, I didn't want him to go away. See, she had a you know, heightened sense of uh, discerning of spirit. She saw angels when I didn't see them. And they're all around us to deliver us. Bible said, the Bible says, the angels of the Lord encampeth round about them that love him and fear him to deliver them. Do you love God? Do you respect the Lord? Do you reverence the Lord? That's what fear him means. Do you reverence the Lord? The angel of the Lord is camped around about you. And they will deliver you. It's because we've got this deal. Amen. Praise God. The body of the Lord Jesus was broken and marred beyond any recognition. Isaiah said that we looked upon him and didn't even recognize him as a man. And with his stripes, we're healed. Well, if we're healed by his stripes, we're saved by them too. Amen. And delivered by them. So, Lord, we just want to thank you for the body that was offered up. That with your wounds and by your sacrifice, we're made whole. And we receive that wholeness today in Jesus' name. Amen. See, together. And then that same night he took the cup and he said this cup is my blood of the new testament or the new covenant you know what the new covenant does it brings all the covenants of Abraham Isaac Jacob Moses David all those old testament covenants and promises of God brings them all forward and makes them available to every believer and improves on it. It's a better covenant. You know what makes it better? It's sealed in the blood of Jesus. And we can confidently call out to God and expect an answer. Amen. Paul, you know, he had this demon spirit that was following around harassing him he called it a thorn in the flesh and he went to the Lord he said he went to the Lord three times and said Lord deliver me from this harassing demonic spirit and the Lord said you know Paul's crying out to God three times and the Lord said my grace 
is more than enough for you. And so Paul said, well, in that case, I glory in my infirmities and my weaknesses because I know that where I am weak, there he is strong. And it's all because of the covenant, the blood. Any area in your life where there's weakness, God's grace abounds. And his strength makes up for it. That's covenant talk. That's covenant talk. If you're weak, God is strong. Where? God is strong in your weakness. So your weakness becomes your strong point because God's grace enters into it. Where I was weak, there, now, I am strong. Amen? Let the weak say, I am strong in the Lord. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for the blood that makes it possible for us. And we give you praise that when the blood is applied, grace comes and mercy comes and strength comes and deliverance comes and victory comes in the name of the Lord. And we drink together in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and praise the Lord. And pass the ammunition. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. If you've been around me long enough to know, you won't be surprised when I say, we can't lose with the stuff we use. We can't lose, but we have to use. We have to make use of the covenant that we've been given. Amen. We have to make use of the name of Jesus and the word of God. Praise the Lord. You're going to have to get your feet wet. you got to go forward, step in the water. But when you do, God will do the rest. How many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament do you see God's people moving forward by the miraculous supernatural works of God? Where in any other case, they would have been stopped but they weren't stopped. Amen? The only thing that can stop you is if you keep crying and never move forward. Amen. It's okay to cry, but then move. Everybody turn to someone and say, move. Amen. Move forward in obedience to God. Amen. Stand up with me. Lift your hands to the Lord, and let's shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen. You're cry crying time's over. Shout. Shout with a voice of triumph, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and give them a big Holy Ghost hug, handshake. Save the kiss for your spouse. Amen. Amen. Amen.